You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. The NHL season is underway with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. doesn't matter if it's a one-timer or a deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. The sportsbook isn't available in your state yet. DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net nets you. Big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. The only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the 4th Line Boys Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 160 of the Big Show. Some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is it, folks. I've said it for a few weeks now, but this is it. The final uh, episode to be recorded in the uh, in the condo, the West Side condo of Saskatoon. Um, we are uh, moving. We have possession date next Friday. At our house, so, uh, and then we have to be out of here by the 29th, so, uh, yeah, this will be it, uh, I'm actually recording this Friday right after work, because this weekend is going to be busy, and, uh, yeah, and then I will probably not be around Wednesday and next Sunday, so I'll, I'll miss a week of recording, uh, I didn't quit, I didn't retire, some people probably wish I'd quit and retire, or take two weeks off and then quit, uh, but, uh, 
no, I will be back recording and, uh, uh, well, actually, because we already have the, the internet dudes already showing up on like, like next Sunday at the house. So we should have internet pretty quick. Um, but obviously we got to set up the computer and all that. And obviously, uh, life gets in the way of podcasting. So bear with me, fourth liners out there. Um, I want to say I will be coming at you from the from the new brand spanking new fourth line voice offices, bet, bigger and better than ever. But I don't like to lie to you guys. <laughs> It'll be nice to have all my shit unpacked, though. I've like I said, I've had stuff in my box. I've had stuff in boxes packed away under my parents' house since we moved into the condo. Like we left the apartment and I put it under there. Um, or actually, when I left my old house and I was living with my buddy. And moved in with my wife, well, at the time, girlfriend, into an apartment. Yeah, I packed up a whole bunch of stuff and just put it in my parents' basement. So I literally have a couple boxes that I haven't visited in 20 years. So I forgot what's in there. So I'm really actually looking forward to unpacking that stuff and uh, all my trinkety little shit that my wife will roll her eyes at. But I'm going to have the whole downstairs bedroom and like down in the corner hallway uh, to myself. And I'm going to have a set up my shit and... Uh, really looking forward to it i'm sure and you guys are really looking to look forward to me not talking about this anymore but i'm just kind of giving you guys a heads up of where i am and what we're doing because every week last week here i've been i don't know if i'll be here next week but this is actually going to be it here so um i'm and i'm going to try to give you guys i wanted to give you guys some content for some one one last time for the week and then uh before my wife got home and yells at me for not doing anything so and start packing um and then i laugh I also got my uh, my late night drunk hockey carding purchases uh, came in the mail today. Um, yeah, so yeah, I have I was the armchair sports the on the uh, clearance section. It was like five cents a card, and I and I'm looking at here. I think I got about a hundred and some cards. Yeah, a bunch of the stuff I already have. If anybody's looking for o four o five Binghamton Senators Brian McGratton postcards. I have like seven of them. If you uh, if you want one, get a hold of me. I can send you one. <laughs> or just go to Armchair Sports. They're literally like ten cents. Um, yeah, and those guys are good. Uh, yeah, they're really quick and shit. And uh, cards always come in great shape. I mean, not you know, not that I'm putting them in plastic and getting them graded or anything. It's just enforcer cards. But uh, no, always been on time. Never always in good shape. And uh, yeah, if you're into such things. I actually, uh, well, it'll be actually nice to get all because I have some like really good cards too. But my enforcer collection, it'll be, uh, yeah, I'll have to. I can, I'll finally be able to get that out. And oh yes, it's just going to be twelve-year-old, uh, forty-six-year-old room. It'll be really good. <laughs> so, folks, we're going to talk about today. Well, um, like I said, I won't uh, take up too much of your time. Um, but yeah, I'm going to talk about. Uh, what some people are calling an advantage, I don't understand. Uh, Ryan Reeves and the woke folks. Uh, other oh, and uh, and a Boston Bruins. I know how you guys like lists, and uh, this is a Boston Bruins, according to uh, NBC Sports, the Boston Bruins all-time uh, toughest guys, top ten. So uh, we're gonna click on that. Uh, yeah, I won't yet though. So, I have yet to, I, I, I will, I won't lie, I scrolled, I saw the first two, 
just to make sure it was like, you know, the legit, you know, whatever. And, uh, yeah, so we'll get into that. But first, uh, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows in the network, whatever show, you're, whatever team you're a fan of. There's an NA, geez, holy, how many times? I, well, I've done that intro 160 times. Yeah, you'd think I'd know it by now off the top of my head. All the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. Definitely check that out. For my uh, off-network friends, uh, Mud Show down there in Florida. Yeah, Alec, part-time only, um, coming at you. As actually, uh, well, it's too late now because you guys will be listening to this on Sunday. I was going to say, he's going live in the Facebook group tonight. Uh, he does that on Fridays. The Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. Um if you are so inclined, join up. Um, it is as close to the message board as you're going to get. And uh, Alec has really been trying to get, uh, whether it be fans or just a just a bullshit session with him sitting there talking, uh, get people involved. It's Friday night, uh, you know. Again, Florida time, so what you know, know your time zones. And uh, or sometimes he'll have a guest. I know he's got two guys. No, he's got a guy lined up to interview. I don't know if they'd be able to, because he's up here in Canada and Florida, you know, with the time difference. I don't know if they'd be able to, uh, if they've been able to hook up yet. But uh, I know that is coming. That might be what's happening today. I know he said he's going to try to get a Friday uh, uh, live chat going. He really wants to get that kind of, kind of going. And um, and I will say the frustrating thing uh, with the live chat is they're a lot of fun, um, but and it's like. Okay, the group's got 13,000 members, yet these live chat gets like 10 people. It's like, I don't know if, I don't know, I don't understand why people aren't engaged. I mean, I know life gets in the way and people have shit going on, but I mean, you'll sit there in front of the couch eating your Doritos and watch uh, three hours of happy pond hockey bullshit. Well, just open up, you know, on, on tonight, well, open up your laptop and, uh, you know, talk to Alec and, the, and, and the other fight fans. Why not? I don't, I don't know. I don't I don't get it. I mean, I'd rather do that myself. I mean, obviously we're moving and everything else. So, I mean, forgive me for that. I probably won't be there tonight very much, you know. But and once we get settled and stuff, I definitely, I want to join in. And, uh, you know, we could definitely get on there and do a live kind of stream thing. I'd really like to do that with Alec. Um, but, yeah. But hey, if you're a fight fan, you got so much to say. I'm mean, like, get a hold of Alec. Tell him you want to come on the show. Hell, he'll probably Friday night chat sitting there. Yeah, why not? Get on it. I'm giving him. I'm giving him guess now. I'm sure he's thrilled with me. But uh, but anyway, five for fighting podcast. Uh, check out the audio form. Um, he's got a tremendous back catalog. Sagroy, by Lois, Rob Ray, Yablonski. Um, yeah, Alec does a great job, been doing it for a while, he's back in the game, he took some time off, got married, and, you know, and, uh, had some life priorities to take care of, but, uh, he's back at it, and, uh, yeah, and he's, he's Mr. Florida Ever, Everblade now, so, season ticket holder, and holy shit, he's right in there tailgating and everything else, so, yeah, uh, he just had, uh, was it, uh, Nick Blackman on, and, uh, yeah, the young, the young, the youngster for the Florida Everblade, Ever Blades. Yeah, I keep wanting to say Everglade. I get the pun there, but yeah, and um, but yeah, some uh, and he it was a good guest, and it was a like I said, young kid. So you get a different. This old fart gets a different perspective, right? Like I said, I don't watch anymore. So uh, when I hear these young guys, uh, 
that want to perform the role and are excited about fighting and do and performing the enforcer role. It's a it's a breath of fresh air because uh, there's just so few and and I I mean it's not me being dramatic, but really it's you know guys like that are few and far between these days. So uh, it was cool. It was refreshing to hear. So I encourage you to check that out. Um, also, Broadway Joel Lazito. Give it a Lazito. The man MSG from the world famous arena. Got even a little more famous when Joe took over the box office. If you're in that area, if you're in Broadway, down in New York, check out Joe. He's down there. You know, he's probably yelling, pot van sucks up at the clouds, something like that. I'm, I'm telling you, he, he, I, I, Islander fans, you might keep an eye on him. I'm just saying. Joe's like Teflon, though. He'll slide out of it. He'll, he'll play the middle comfortably. He'll just call himself a New York guy. I'm a New York guy. But no, he's a New York Islander-based uh, podcast called Coliseum Chronicles. Tremendous. Um, again, excellent back catalog. Fakoda, Asham, Strudwig, on and on. Joe's been around from the old Tough Guy magazines to the Stan Fischler Bad Boys books. Ah, so where was it? Yes, the Bad Boys books and the Tough Guy magazines. Joe's been around Fleer Hockey Cards. Uh, it was like that, that throwback set. I think Joe had a big part of that. Picking the photographs and stuff like that. So, yeah, Joe's been around. And now, he's in the middle of it all. He's in Broadway. He finally made it in the spotlight. Jolton Joel Lazito. Give it a Lazito. I have nothing today, Joe. I got nothing. Yeah, you're not even, you, you know, you're you're really monotone about the merch. Right around Christmas, Joe all of a sudden stops pimping, pimping his merch. So, I don't know. He has merchandise, folks, if you want to check out his stuff. Hey, for that loved one, if you if you really want to say something to him, you just don't have the words, or you have a few small words for them, get him a, Jola's, get him a Coliseum Chronicle coffee mug, or perhaps a, a tank top, t-shirt, sweatshirt, hoodie. That'll, that'll, you, that'll get the point across, without even, no words. No words necessary. Yeah. You hand him something with Joe Lazito's face on it, they'll know what you mean. Joel and Joe Lazito. Give it a Lazito. Alright, folks. Here we are. The last, the end of an era. 160 episodes recorded in this chair right here. Well, I guess I'll still be in this chair in the new house, but... In this spot, looking out my window. In the summer, there'll be no more leaf blowers. And other shenanigans going on. It'll just be uh, me tucked away in the basement. And uh, I, I'm really trying to like pump up. I, in That'll probably be about mid yeah December. I'll probably have some episodes out. Maybe. Oh, I'll have episodes out in December. But <clears throat> but then we got the silly season right around the corner. Santa coming. Hopefully he can bring some stuff. I mean, we need a lot. We're moving into a house. I, apparently, I, I need... Uh, some Leons or some Bricks gift cards. You know, if you want to stop, you can, you're free to stop by, but bring your own lawn chair. Because we don't have enough furniture. So. I have the in-laws, brother-in-laws and them help me move. But. I don't know if I want the one brother-in-law knowing where I live. So maybe I'll do it myself. <laughs> no, I'm going to put these young strapping nephews to work here. Yep. All right. Um, well, for, I want to talk, I, I was, uh, I always enjoy this, if you happen to be on Twitter, uh, why, but if you're on Twitter, 
Uh, tough guy numbers. Uh, I really enjoy his account. Been a little, uh, uh, he, and it's like, I would say it's like, t- it's like analytics. Well, it's not analytics. I guess it's just stats. It's, well, it's tough guy numbers. It's stats, but he likes to, you know, most majors with a goal, most majors with a point, stuff like that. And then the different eras. You've heard me, if you listen to this show for any length of time, you, you've heard me talk about this, uh, I've, and I've mentioned the stats before on here. Um, but I was scrolling his account there last night, and I just came across, and I, I mean, I lived through it, I, I know it, but when you read it, it's like, it just confirms, right? Well, yeah, I mean, you already know it, but when you read, when you just see the stat line, it's just like, holy shit, man, like, really? Like, he had Wendell Clark's 86-87 stat line, so it was his second year in the league, um, he's 19 years old, 37 goals, 60 points, 271 penalty minutes, he had 29 fights, a couple with Probert. He had two Gordie Howe hat-tricks. And in 13 playoff games, he had 11 points. Like, man. Could you imagine a cat doing that these days? Well, 29, that's more than teams get now. But, I mean, you know what I mean? Just like... Like, you talk about just a golden era of, you know... And then, I mean, you turn in the Leafs now, and oh, you get Matthew Mar- And they're... Hey... The kid's got great skills. I'm not knocking, you know, whatever. I mean, talent, they're talented pond hockey players. But, like, nobody's got that kind of fucking grit and jam anymore. And and just, like, and it's, I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, we were talking, and it was just, like, um, it, it was about the LNAH, actually, about the mid-2000s LNAH and um, how it kind of blew my opportunity to go down to Laval and, you know, see some games and have a real, you know, uh, up close. I had a place to stay and blah, blah, blah. Friend on the team and, oh, it would have been great. But uh, at the time, unfortunately, I was laid off from the city. So you're on, you're collecting, uh, you know, the unemployment for a couple months. And you really didn't, plane tickets to Montreal ain't cheap, even back then. And, uh, but, oh, next year, next I'll save up money. Next winter I'll go and, you know, and then, of course, they, you know, things move on and things change and, you learn valuable lessons that how things have changed, but uh, no, I just said like even with the LNAH stuff back then, uh, we, or even with the 80s, 90s hockey and stuff, we didn't know how good we had it. It was just, it was just, it was just tough hockey, and uh, you know, every team had a 50 goal scorer, and it was back, you know, it was rough, and guys fought, and um, yeah, and I, you just. I get you just sort of thought that well that was just hockey and that was all you knew and you just figured it'll last forever and and then uh, you know I'm not trying to be dramatic but I mean and I mean I've gone on and on about it but I mean anybody that's older than 35 knows what I'm talking about because they lived through it and they saw those games live I mean and and like I said I've never knocked the athlete or today's athlete they're amazing they're they're machines and and all and they do shit that players back never would have thought of and all that stuff but. And the game's completely different with the rule, no, you know, no red line, no, you know, and no one really fights any. Well, no one really fights anymore, and and stuff like that. But and it's just, it, it's pond hockey, and it's it'll. Yeah, I mean, there's some fights now and again, but eh, you know, whatever. But it's not. If you lived through the '80s and '90s, you know, the guy, What do they say? If once you see, you know, the real ones know. Yeah, I mean, they know, and it's just like. This is nothing like that, and and that's why I think, um, you know, it's funny when like oh this should be suspendable, you know, or whatever they start 
the Gen Zers start crying about it on Twitter, and I just start laughing about it, and then oh, you say something, then oh, you're out of touch. Yeah, I truly am because it's like this mindset of today's fan and today's hockey. I cannot get my head around. Like, it's not that I can't get my head around it. I should take that back. It's I've seen it when it was jungle. A, Jungle Rules and Thunderdome. So this really is nothing when I see shit. Like if there's a big hit, it's like, oh, okay. I mean, I watched Scott Stevens do that. It seemed weekly at one time, you know. Or Neely or Paul. Like when I was talking to William the other day with Paul McDermott. And stuff, there was dudes throwing hits like that. Marchment and Rob Blake and Darian Hatcher. I mean, there was dudes throwing those hits constantly. So, I mean, you see it now every once in a while, and everyone makes this huge deal of it, and it's like, mm, okay, you know. And it's just, uh, yeah, I can't, I just can't get into it. Um, yeah. And for when, you, when you've lived through it and you've seen... See, that's the other thing. Like, you'll, you have these, the, young, the youngsters, and they, you know, oh, you don't get it, and it's better now, and whatever. How would you know? You weren't, I've seen, I've seen this, and I've seen the old, you weren't even, you weren't even a thought. Your dad was still doing keg stands in in college, or at high school parties, with me, before you were even around, Junior. So don't tell me how it is, or how it was. You have no fucking clue how it was. So no, it's not, I, believe me, it's not better. Now, the, well, it's evolution, so the equipment's better, the training's better, they're better athletes now, but at the time, in that time period, if you look at it at that time space, those guys were excellent athletes at the, for their time period, and they were the best players in the world at that time period. And the game was completely different, and it had emotion, and people legitimately got mad, and no one got upset when people got mad. You, you know? And uh, yeah, it was just a different time. And like I said, anyway, to go back, I'm just rambling here, being sentimental. But yeah, you really didn't. We didn't realize how good we had it. Uh, every once in a while, I'll be spinning some old fight DVDs. Uh, was, Chris, there, my boy Nape, sent me some assorted DVDs, and I was just playing one the other night as I was sort of trying to drift off to sleep, sitting in the big chair. And uh, that was just an assorted early '90s. You know, it was like old news clips from like uh, um, Rinkside. People remember Rinkside, the American League Hockey clip show from TSN, and it had that. And then it had some NHL clips from the news when they actually used to show fights on news. And it was just, I'm just sitting there watching it, and it's just, yeah, what a time. What a great time. And I always say I'm so thankful I grew up in the era that I grew up in. I mean, and then it wasn't perfect. No, were we right about everything? Of course not. I mean, you know, there was a lot of things we did wrong. I'm not saying that either. But uh, every every generation can say that. And there was and there was things in hockey that needed to change. Um, you know, behind the scenes or what happened with the hazing shit and all that stuff. For sure. Um, you know, but uh, overall, yeah, pretty solid product back then. And uh, yeah, good times, good times. But... Um, yeah, I wanted to kind of, it, it's interesting, I, you know, as I said, I, I talked about the Enforcer Appreciation Group and 
the hits the hits of fights uh or fights hits and brawls page and then fights and brawls page why I don't know why you had to add hits why do you have to name them so similar but uh all those fight groups um you know I'm on there cuz I got to I get on there and promote my show and I'll put up pictures for each of the groups and and stuff like that and I'm an admin and they've been I've been asked to be an admin in a couple of them and that's just like fucking wrangling it's just babysitting like I can't get over grown adults just acting like children and it's just it's embarrassing I was telling Alec the other night I I'm literally getting an administration alert content alert every hour it's just like people cannot grow up it's un it's just embarrassing you know I don't know, whatever but like I said I got to promote the show somehow right um, and like I said, I, a lot of the guys in the groups I enjoy talking to and they share cool pictures and, and, you know, and, and you have those good interactions, but, oh man, they're criminy. There's some fucking geeks and just like put up anything with Probert and it just becomes a suck ass session. And, and like I said, Probert's my, one of my all time favorite guys. I'm not knocking Probert, but like somebody put up a pit, the fight with Miller and Probert. Oh, this is a pretty good fight. Well, if memory serves me, uh, Jay, of course, caught Bobby at the end of a shift. Like, shut up. Like, it's always just something. Kiss at. Like, just, do you ever get tired of sucking ass? Like, just stop. It was a good fight. Just let it go. But it's just like this Probert thing. It's just ridiculous. And it's just, you know, and oh, it's just constantly people got to, like, a. I said, there's a thousand other enforcers out there. Why do we need 72 Probert fights every day? And like I said, I like, I love Bob Probert. He was great. One of my, like I said, one of my all-time favorites. But really, do we need to talk about him every five minutes? My God. But anyway, another, and there's, there's just certain guys that are really polarizing on the boards. And, um, I was going to get into reviews. No, I was going to, the one thing I will say with the Probert thing and it's been coming up a lot lately, and it's interesting because I've been on the message board since the internet, like early or early nineties, late nineties. You you've often heard me refer to about the fried chicken site and the early hockeyfights.com site before they new owners came along and fucked it all up. Um, but those old message boards, and I never heard people talk about this. Um, and it must be some new age thing, or if it's some fanboy thing because Probert beat up their favoritist or something. Again, I've, and I know I've, I've talked about this topic before, but it keeps coming up on the boards, and it was just like, and I, I had a few back and forth with guys um, about it in the last week here, and it was just like, oh yeah, there he comes off of this jersey, it got the advantage, that's how Probert won most of his fights, he always, it was an advantage. Well, okay, you keep saying that like the other guy couldn't do it too. Like it wasn't like, okay, Probert's allowed to get out of his gear, but you're not. Or you didn't know it was coming, like with Ray, you knew that was his game plan. So then undo your shit then. But I said, they also go on and on about this advantage, like the gear coming off was the only advantage guys had. Never mind, like I said, Velcro sleeves or goalie cuts, or like I said, sp- spraying the jersey with with uh, Spam or Pam on the or Crisco or whatever, so it was slippery and hard to grab. Like guys did all that grooving, you're putting grooves in your helmet. Those were all advantages guys did, but you guys keep solely focusing in on, well, Probert and Ray lost their jerseys, so that's why they cheated. That's what one guy said. It's a mutual fight. It's a mutual respect, and there's rules. 
What the fuck are you talking? Are you high? It's a fist fight, and you're enforcing, and you're sending a message for your team, and you're exerting dominance over the other team. What is this, a fair fist fight? Like, this is Marcus of Queensbury. This is where this this new age fan mentality, and even old fans, I'm going to get into this in a second. You guys are so full of shit. It's, it's talking about revisionist history, like... Oh, it's always, oh, respectful, the code, oh, it's so respectful, and it's like, it was an honorable bout. Like, what are you talking about? Really? What are you talking about? And I see, I know, you know, even in the early 2000s, nobody on the message boards talked like that. Like, when there was, because there was fights every night, it wasn't, oh, that was a great respectable fight, and they, and they, uh, they mutually, bro- it was, it was great, oh, the code. No one talked like that. No, I never heard that phrase. Like I said, until it was about oh five, about mid two thousands, that clown wrote a book, the Code Naki, and everybody just bought into it, hook, line, and sinker. Hell, you got the fucking players believing this horse shit. I'm not going to say what the player. He's a tough guy, so you know, and I respect what he did, and I respect the role, whatever. But I laughed. He's like, "Oh, these young kids now have no respect like we did back in the day." Meanwhile, I'm looking at a picture of Wendell Clark grounding and pounding Bob Brook. Oh, Probert punching out Riendo. How many goalies did Probert run? The headbutts, the knee lifts, everything else. Oh, but it was so respectful back then. What the fuck are you guys talking about? And I didn't have a problem with it back then because you know why you were trying to send a message. Oh, Dave Brown, he just jumped guys and he suckered guys. You know what? You know why? No, I know what he messed with the Flyers because Dave Brown would do that. That was the point. It wasn't for twenty years later a bunch of pinheads on a message board. Oh yeah, it's about respect. You didn't give a shit about your friggin' code. No one did back then. But I laugh. These old guys like to talk like there was one. What are you talking about? It's just. It's just insanity. And these these people just believe in this horse shit. Now I can, like I said, I can understand the 17 year old who doesn't know any different believing this horse shit. Because that's what they've been believed. They believe that's it's constant all over the place about respect and the code and all this stupidity. But like I said, anybody older than 35 or someone that played back in the 80s and 90s yelling about the code is absolutely asinine, and I have no idea who you're trying to impress, or who you're trying to fool. Like, the one guy sitting there arguing with me, and going, well, listen, kid, I've been around since the Schultz days. Oh, kid. Yeah, you're about three years older than I am, dumbass. I, I have 500 fight DVDs that say otherwise. Yo, I know exactly what I'm talking about. So I don't know where this, just this slanting of history comes from. Unbelievable. Oh, respect and all this shit. And the best part is, and I love these these old school fans. They go on and on about hockey, how hockey has become woke now. Oh yeah, run by the, you know what hockey's the way it is now. It's run by the libs. Like this fucking idiocy. I own the libs. I don't even know. That's the stupidest saying I've ever heard. I don't even know what it means. Own a liberal. What, is, what does that mean? I don't even... That's just... You sound like a moron. And then when it comes to hockey, own the libs. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. 
Meanwhile, as soon as Ryan Reeves does something and acts mean, who are the first ones to cry about it? Oh, all these buffoons with the own the libs in their friggin' profile. Yeah. Yeah, liberalism's a disease. These idiots that it's in their profile. All of a sudden, they're crying about Reeves being mean. Oh, the irony of it all. The irony. Oh, it's... The other night when he fought that kid, Pizan, Penzana, Pen, I don't even know what that guy's name was. No offense, but like, I don't, I don't really give a shit. And Reeves just pumped him. Oh, your typical Reeves picking on a rookie. What the fuck does that even mean, picking on a rookie? Yeah, this guy's fought before. He's fought Alice Glant in the American League and shit. It's not like he grabbed some fucking guy on the first line and beat him up. This guy came looking. So this guy comes looking for it and Reeves obliges him. And yet Reeves is still an asshole. But if Reeves had said no and turned him down, you'd you'd be bitching about Reeves turning him down. Like, he can't win. So he fights him and beats him up. And then looks at the bench and laughs at him. And then mocks the guy. So? That's the point. I'm going to beat you up so bad that you don't ever fucking think that you have a chance. And you're ever going to try that again. That used to be the point. Now, oh, he's mean... He has no respect. I always laugh. So the entire league goes pussy, and yet you these supposed air quote fight fans shit on like the five or six guys that fight that will actually fight and be mean. Oh, instead of bitching about the other six hundred ninety-five candy asses in the NHL, let's complain about the ones that actually still fight and be upset about that. And a bunch of the Montreal fans are all... Reeves is mean and he's picking on rookies. Yeah, but if he was wearing a Montreal jersey and did the same thing, you'd be sitting there jerking him off. So shut the fuck up. Oh, he's mean. I love He's no respect. Did you hear his interview after? So? You don't like to do something about it then. He's a bully. Oh, Yeah. But meanwhile, three threads ago, you were talking about owning the libs. Now, all of a sudden, you're crying that Ryan Reeves is a bully. Oh. You hear that? That's my iron. Yeah, the irony. You nerds. What is it, fellas? You want, you can, you're trying to have it both ways. Wh- which way do you want it? I don't understand. Now I'm not saying you got to go run out and, and, and buy a Ryan Reeves jersey. But wh- what's he catching shit for? What? Why? Oh, I don't like his antics. Oh, okay. What What do you like then? What? You know, all oh, the 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 Byron Brian Dill, or was it Dylan and and Austin Watson with their body punches, and then we got to work out together, bro, in the summer in the penalty box. That's that's what fighting should be. Because it's just respectful. That's what fighting should be. Does anyone anymore understand what enforcing is? I'm, I'm pretty sure actually 95% of the players don't. Because you really, with the honestly with the rules, you really can't. But every once in a while when it does happen, happen it clearly indicates how fans have no, even apparently massive fight fans have no idea what an actual enforcer does. You've been so deluded into this fucking code. Bullshit. 
And he's a bully. What is this? The, the friggin' grade three winter ice carnival? A bully. These are grown adults playing a sport trying, that paid millions of dollars to win. And we're gonna, we're using playground jargon. That when somebody on the, on the playground behind the swings is pushing around the little kids. Oh, he's a bully. Yeah. But yet, yo, you're the same big bad on the message boards, on Facebook. The big bad heroes. Unbelievable. Oh, well. Yeah. But yeah, cry some more. So yeah, Reeves finally fights and everyone cries about it. Because he was mean in the in the interview after. And oh, he showed no respect to the rookie. Oh. Like it's his fault Montreal's a bunch of punching bags. Like, okay. Well, God. Like I said, for, I, I, I said that and I will maintain that. I've... Fight fans hate fighting, apparently. You know, you're so... Unless it's on your team, then, oh, it's the it's the best. Yeah. Embarrassing. You know what's not embarrassing? Sean Thornton. And Sean Thornton just released a book, if you folks didn't know. It is called Fighting My Way to the Top, and it is available now. I saw online and on Indigo. So there you go. Christmas uh, Stocking Stuffer. I'm definitely going to pick that up because I'm a huge Sean Thornton fan. And it is amazing the amount of time. Like, talk about, yeah, honestly, talk about never giving up. Like, dude was in the American League for how long? Fought every year. Never took a year off. Never, oh, I'm down here forever. I'm going to take, no. Got the Norfolk DVDs. He's fighting everybody. Every name comes up to the NHL. Wins two cups. Played how many, what, four or five hundred games in the NHL. Tremendous. Massive Sean Thornton fan. Really looking forward to reading this book. What else do I got on here? Oh, I see Chara and Maroon fought again. That's the fifth time they fought. Yeah, a real, uh, a real another another thriller, another thriller in Manila. Yeah. Oh God. But in doing so, Chara became the oldest player to record a fighting major at 44 years old. Here's a little bar top trivia for you. Yeah, yeah, like I said, yeah, I think Chara, Chara and Maruna fought five times, and there's been five punches landed in all five of them. But anyway, how about we get on to this, the Big Bad Bruins list? Oh, we'll get to her here. Who are the best tough guys in Bruins history, ranking the top ten? The Bruins team toughness once earned them the nickname the Big Bad Bruins, and Boston has seen its share of enforcers over the year. Joe Haggerty ranks the top 10 tough guys to lace up the skates for the bees. For some reason, I'm kind of thinking in the back of my head, I've done this already. But I think it was, yeah, I don't know. We'll, yeah, I don't, yeah, maybe not. Maybe I did. If I did, I apologize. And it was many episodes ago. So we're doubling up here, folks. It's, it's the, uh, it's sort of the emergency. It's not the emergency, but it's like the, uh, I don't want to say thrown together episode, but yeah, it's kind of thrown together. But, uh, yeah, so forgive me if I'm uh, chewing my food twice here, but oh, here, here's to you for the, the first in this hand. But, um, damn, that's good. Land shark. I'm really enjoying this land shark lager. I found it in Vegas years ago. And, uh, yeah, love it. But, um, what was I saying? Oh, I, I, I know I did a list by Haggerty, but he had put it on Twitter. And it might have just been his top five, now that I think about it. But anyway, it's new to you, right? Let's go over this again. If we are indeed rehashing. 
But here we go, the top ten toughest guys in Bruins history. The only thing the franchise has been known for during its long history of the original six charter member. One is certainly defenseman, Shore or Bork, Chara, topping the list. Goaltenders. Cheevers, Thomas, Rask, among the all-time greats to man the pipes. Another staple for the franchise's toughness with players unafraid to throw down with an offending opponent. Alright, with apologies to true Bruins tough guys like John Winsick, Teddy Green, Nevin Marquardt, Shubottom, Belanger, McQuaid, and even Hall of Famer Zdeno Chara, and old-timers like Shore and Flamin. Here is the all-time top 10 Bruins tough guys. Oh, okay. So, eh, Winsick's not in it. Mm, interesting. The other guys that, well, Teddy Green, yeah. Uh, Marquardt, eh. bottom Belanger. Well, McQuaid. McQuaid actually played more games. Uh, like, Belanger and Shubottom, I don't think played very much. Char, don't even get me started about this Chara shit. I will say again for the record, and I've gone over it, and I actually, and you can go, I can't remember what episode it was, but I went on YouTube, and I looked, I went and looked up every Chara fight versus a heavyweight, and he sucks. The only fight he won was against Kochi, who was fighting him with a broken nose. Other than that, Chara is brutal. So before any of you Bruins fans start sending me hate mail, I'm telling you now, take your Bruins goggles off. Or you might hate him now that he's on the Islanders, so maybe you'll be a little more open-minded. But I'm serious. Go to YouTube, type in Chara Fights. Never mind this bullshit with Maroon last week. No, no, no. Go back in the day, and you start when he was with the Islanders to begin with, and then Ottawa, blah, blah, blah. You go through all the way up through that. You watch, and I, and this is true, and it was so true. I brought this up on a podcast. I can't remember what episode I did this on. It was in the 70-something, I think, or 80-something. I talked about him and Ovechkin. I remember it now. I said this horse shit that everyone thinks Ovechkin and Chara can fight. And I broke down their fights. I'm not just, I'm not going to be like some goof in a message board. Just say stupid shit, and then when I get called on it, okay, bud, and then never say anything. I backed my shit up with proof. I went and w- looked up every Chara fight and took notes, and I broke the fights down. And every time his opponent gets on offense, he, air quotes, slips or pulls them down. Every time. So much so I laughed because it wasn't much longer after that. John Scott had George LaRock on his show, and they both said the same thing that I was saying. You try to fight Chara, and every time you'd fight him, he'd grab you and just throw you down. Or as soon as you start throwing punches, he'd pull you down. George said it over and over again. I'm like, see? There, coming from a guy that tried to fight him. Go watch the fight with LaRock and Chara. George isn't lying. Again, go to YouTube. It's, this is I don't have anything for or against Chara. I don't give a shit. I'm just telling you. I get so tired of this horse shit that Chara was tough. Oh, if he wanted to be. Oh, if he wanted to be. Oh, okay. You know, we're going to play that one. Oh, if he wanted to be. Okay. No, he's terrible. Oh, he's a great play- player, but he's a terrible fighter. Don't give me this horse shit that he was good, because he's not. But anyway, I digress. Let's get into this list. Number 10, Lyndon Byers. I'm a huge... I, I love Lyndon Byers. Six one one ninety. Byers fought 80 times for the Bruins over the course of his career. Um... Finished with 261 games. His 24 fights during the 87-88 regular season registers as one of the single toughest seasons in Bruins franchise history. 
Yeah, Byers, it's a shame. Um, you know, a lot of injuries. Um, I don't think he, he you know, he, he definitely, the partying lifestyle, I think, took a toll on him as well, and he didn't take it really seriously. Um, I think what people, what a lot of people don't realize is uh, Lyndon Byers, uh, coming out of the Western Hockey League, he played for the Regina Pats, was a tremendous uh, player in the, in the minors. Yeah, here, I'm just looking up his DB. Uh, yeah, it was a second round pick, 39th overall in the 82 draft. Yeah, you look at the Regina Pats, uh, yeah, 70 games, 32 goals, 70 points. The next season, 58 games, he had 32 goals, 57 assists for, and 154, for 89 points, 154 minutes of penalties. And in the playoffs, they played 23 playoff games. He had 35 points and 78 minutes of penalties in his final year in junior. And I know the one year with the Bruins there, the 53 game, when he finally played a full kind of, you know, whatever, 53-game schedule of the season. 10 goals, 14 assists, 236 minutes. Like, Byers could play. I think what people also don't realize is in 1984, um, he played in the World Juniors for Team Canada. Um, yeah, I'm just... Uh, can you look up the Canadian team, I wonder? No, but... But... Uh, who, was on, uh, who was on the Canadian team that year? Uh, Russ Courtnell... Uh, Dean Evison, Gary Lehman, John McLean, Dave Gagne, yeah, Dale Durkat, yeah, Dirk Hatch with the Regina Pats. He was just a little, he's like five foot five, but unbelievable scoring. But yeah, but I bet you, I bet you a lot of listeners didn't know that that Lyndon Byers played for Team Canada in the World Juniors. Yeah, he was tremendous power forward. Uh, yeah, well, I just gave you his points, right? Uh, you know, one hundred and sixty points. In two seasons, in his final two seasons, two hundred points. Three seasons in the Western Hockey League in junior, he had three hundred points, or two hundred points. Pardon me. Uh, you know, unbelievable. Yeah, and and unfortunately, you know, like I said, I don't, I don't. With the Bruins, it was a lot of some injuries. At, well, two hundred seventy nine games, so obviously there was a lot of injuries. And uh, I, I mean, he himself has said he, you know, unfortunately he didn't uh, take things real serious. So, but yeah, he. Um, he was a good player. I was a big fan of Byers. He had that uppercut. Yeah, him and Jay Miller were a hell of a duo, man. Yeah. Number nine, PJ Stock. I love PJ Stock. He was great. Uh, he played 130 games with the Bruins, but he was a memorable pile driver, punches who didn't back down from anybody. No, I mean he certainly did. He fought 32 times over the course of what was essentially two years in Boston. Yeah, and I mean, and all 32 of those fights were uh, unbelievable to watch. Um, yeah, undersized guy. Yeah, five ten, one ninety seven. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, again, you watch a P, you, you watch a PJ, uh, stock fight or a fight DVD. You're not bored. I don't think anybody's ever tuned into a stock, uh, DVD. It was just like, Meh, you know, no, I'm a huge fan of PJ stock and, uh, you know, and again, another guy, um, you know, he, uh, he played, he was a defenseman, uh, with Victoriaville in the Quebec junior league. And, uh, 70 games, 55 points, 67 games, 62 points. Also, those two seasons. The one year, 386 minutes of penalties. His final year of junior, 67 games, 19 goals, 43 assists, 432 minutes of penalties. Yeah. And, uh, and then he played a year in university hockey at St. Francis, uh, Xavier. And in 27 games, he had 31 points and 110 minutes. I don't know how you get 110 minutes in university hockey when you can't fight, but PJ did. 
and then yeah, and then and then of course turn pro. Um, yeah, tremendous. I mean, uh, again, if you're if you're a fight fan, I don't give a shit what team you cheer for. If you don't like PJ Stock, I don't know. We'd like, well, I don't know what's wrong with you. But uh, there you go. Number eight, Mike Milbury. Mm, yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> Milbury finished the Bruins career on the all fifteen hundred uh, second all time at fifteen hundred career penalty minutes. 64 career fights over a 12-year career in Boston. Uh, Milbury's most famous fight, though, came not against the opponent, but came in the stands. We beat the guy with the shoe. Yeah, I mean, ugh, what can you say about Mike Milbury? I mean, I will say, hey, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, you can say whatever you want about him, a douchebag, all that stuff, and you'd probably be right. Um, but he did, again, 64 fights, 59, you know, he played 12 years, and um, and he played physical, and he was, you know, he played it tough, played, you know, but he couldn't fight worth a shit. I mean, you know, I would definitely have Winsick or McQuaid in this list, or or any of the guys that I read off that weren't on the list before, um, ahead of Mike Milbury. But, again, you can hate on Milbury, and I get it, I'm, I'm not, I'm new, I don't really give a shit about Mike Milbury, but, um, I know he couldn't fight, but, uh. At the end of the day, I mean, he like you said, he did he did play twelve years and he was physical and uh, you know so he must have been doing something right. But uh, and that whole thing when he went into the crowd, well, first of all, O'Reilly was the one that went into the crowd. It wasn't Milbury. Milbury went in to defend him, and like the the boys all went in. I mean, and but hey, the fans were acting like clowns, and the Tottenham had come on up here. Well, they went up there. I mean, I never had any problem with the Bruins going into the stands. I mean, I don't give a shit if fans are acting like goofs or whatever. And everybody goes on about Milbury hitting the guy with the shoe. Eh, whatever. It's acting like a goof. It was funny as shit. I was down with it. That's not why. I don't like Mike Milbury because he hit a guy with a shoe. That's the least of the reasons why I don't like Mike Milbury. Number seven, Milan Lucic. Oh, six foot three, two hundred thirty pound Lucic scored 30 goals in his Bruins Cup season. And finished with 772 minutes and eight seasons with the black and gold uh, during a kinder, gentler era of the NHL. That's true. Um, yeah, again, it's um, yeah. When Lucic first came up, he was a you know he was definitely a power forward, like a 30 goal guy, and he had everything. And like I said, I've been a you now this one. I'll probably I can have my homework glasses on for because I can remember him in, in junior playing with the Vancouver Giants, and I was a big fan then. And uh, I was actually really surprised he made the Bruins uh, so young at 18. But, uh, no, he came in right away and was real physical and hit everybody. And, I mean, to this day, I've always been a Lucic guy. I mean, I've, he's gotten some, he's had some real rough times sort of at the end of the, at the, end of the line here. Well, he's not bad this year. You know, kind of have a resurgence the last couple of years, to be honest. But, um, yeah, um, you know, he's at the end of the line now. But he had a hell of a career couple cups, and, uh, yeah, I, I'm a big Lucic fan, uh, you know, now, would I have him on a list of the top 10 toughest Bruins, uh, probably not, but if I did, it would be probably 10, you know, like, I, I would probably have Byers ahead of Lucic, I mean, he definitely should be ahead of Milbury, but, uh, I'd have Stock ahead of Lucic, too, uh, yeah, I probably would, but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm a big Lucic guy. I'm not going to bitch that he's on the list. It's not like, oh, this is ridiculous. I mean, no, it's not. It's not not egregious or anything. But um, you know, when you when you have the history that the Bruins have, it's you know, it's 
you know, it's slim pickings, man, with these lists. I mean, there's so many guys, right? So, you know, but, uh, I mean, and that was the thing. He was sort of Robin to Sean Thornton's Batman. Um, but he was also scoring 30 goals, and he was like, you know, I mean, apparently, I think a lot of people, he's the next Cam Neely. It's like, well, I don't know, but, you know, but he was a good, solid, I mean, every team would want a guy like that. 30 goals, would hit everybody, would fight when need be, and, you know, big physical guy. I mean, and mean. And Lucic is mean. He's a mean fucker. And, uh, yeah, who wouldn't want that, right? Well, that's why he's been in the league for so long. But, uh, yeah, I'm down with Luch. Number six, Stan Jonathan. Six. Mm, I thought he'd be higher than that, actually. I thought he'd be actually one or two. That's interesting. Well, I kind of know who one would be, but I kind of thought he'd be right two or three. Uh, Jonathan, yeah, pound for pound, toughest guy who ever played for the Bruins. Jonathan was a wrecking ball for the black and gold who didn't hold back during his brawls. Dropped the 60 times over the course of his Bruins career. And dropped them with Claxon and Chris Nyland more than anybody else in the NHL career. He had, and of course, the famous fight with Pierre Bouchard. Yeah, five eight one seventy five. Yeah, well, and that was the other thing. And of course, he showed career high twenty seven goals, fifty two points one season. Yeah, um, yeah. John, he was he was a bad dude, man. And uh, you know, for the younger fans, it's, he was like he was Ty Domi before Ty Domi, and uh, undersized and uh, but could give her and. Uh, yeah, you go back. I mean, there's a lot. There's a bunch of fights of. I, I would encourage uh, younger listeners to go back on YouTube and look up Stan Jonathan fights. You'll be entertained. He was he was fun to watch fight and uh, definitely check him out. I'm a big Stan Jonathan fan and uh, yeah, I was surprised he's number six though. I thought he'd be higher than that, but yeah, he's a tough dude, man. He's Don Cherry. Don Cherry once said he goes Stan Jonathan's so tough. I saw him get a 15 stitch cut and it didn't bleed. Uh, <laughs> Number five, Sean Thornton. Well, there you go. Six two two six. Nah, I don't know about Thornton being six two, but okay. Uh, Thornton finished with over a hundred fights in his Bruins career and went up against all the tough guys in the era: Bugard, Orr, Neal, Shelley. He dropped because fifty-five times from 09 to two thousand twelve in Boston as a top enforcer and tough guy on an incredibly tough team. Um, yeah, like I said, he. Um, well, I, I mean, I already said what I need to say about Sean Thornton. I mean, what else is there to say? I mean. I can't argue with him being on this list. Like they said, he had over 100 fights with the Bruins and uh, took on everybody. Like I said, just read that list. And, uh, yeah, I have no complaint. Now, and did he win them all? No. Um, I don't remember him really get... I don't. Again, I'm not saying I'm some Sean Thornton expert and I remember all his fights, but, I mean, I've seen a lot of them. And, I mean, Scott kind of got him, but, I mean, uh, other than that, I don't, uh, I don't really remember Thornton really getting shit-canned. I mean, I, I mean, it, I'm pretty sure it probably happened. I mean, you know, everyone loses, but I don't remember it. Like, really, I'm not saying he won every fight, but just he was always in them, and uh, you know, and especially in the in this early era, you know, the era with like the Bugards and you know uh, Scott and guys like the, the super heavyweight guys, like yeah, well, they got him six two two seventeen. Well, I stood next to Sean Thornton on the street corner when Boston was in town in Saskatoon to play a neutral site game. Dude ain't six two two seventeen. Like, no. Because I'm 5'10", and he wasn't much taller than I was. So, it's like, yeah, I don't think so. But, uh, tough dude, man. Tough dude. I'm a huge Sean Thornton guy, for sure. Number four, Wayne Cashman. Oh, there you go. Cashman never fought more than eight times in a season. Was quiet with his toughness, but there wasn't a bigger embodiment of tough guy in those 270s cup teams in Cashman. The lefty swing Cashman wouldn't stop once he got started. And that's, and that's what happened when he started a bench-clearing brawl with the Sabres. As he beat the bejesus out of Reg Fleming after he was run from behind the net. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, Cashman, again, I'm not going to, you know, that before my time. But there is footage, obviously, if you go on YouTube, there is footage of Wayne Cashman just throwing the lefts. And, you know, he's, he's kind of got the, the balding Costanza thing going. And But, yeah, um, tough lefty, man. Uh, I'm not going to sit there and act like I know all of Cashman's fights. But uh, from what I've seen, solid. Was the captain for the Bruins there. And, I mean... I know Cherry and the guys love him, and uh, he's really thought well thought of. And uh, hey, there you go. Um, not like when I put Thornton or anybody ahead of him. I don't know, whatever, maybe. But I, at the end of the day, I think the list is the list, and if you're on it, you're on it. And uh, at this point, it's numbers are you know whatever. But sub- everything's subjective, of course. But uh, like they said, yeah, never fought more than eight times in a season. Well, so then you have Sean Thornton with a hundred and some fights. So. You know, do you go with frequency or what do you do, right? So, I mean, at the end of the day, we're just fight fans talking here, right? So, um, yeah, it's just cool. It's Cashman's name on the list, right? But definitely big uh, old school fan from uh, Wayne Cashman. Number three, Jay Miller. There you go. I'm starting to kind of wonder where Miller was. Um, Miller played four seasons, 216 games as a member of the Bruins. But the uh, top guy was left a lasting impact during his time with the black and gold. After four years playing in the UNAH, UNH, 6'2", 210-pound, joined the Bruins in the mid-80s and fought his way through just about everything and everyone. It's really interesting. Uh, when Probert, Steve, from when Probert was king, um, wrote a piece on Jay Miller. And I had, uh, if you scroll back, it'll, I'll say, when Probert was king, you'll see the title. Um, if you want to, if you want to hear more about Jay Miller when he first came up, um, that episode we talk about, because uh, Steve's from Boston, so uh, I, we kind of—I was really asking him about the feel for when Jay came, Jay Miller showed up, and um, and just what he meant to the Bruins and the fights that he had at the time. And we really break Jay Miller's career down with the Bruins. You should definitely check it out. And Steve's so knowledgeable with the topic. Uh, I think uh, if you're a Bruins fan or a Jay Miller fan, I encourage you to check out my back catalog. Off the top of my head, I'm not sure what the what the um, uh, episode was. It's. I think it's in the late 80s, 80s, 90s episodes in there. But just scroll down. You'll see, I have it listed as when Probert was king. And that's one of the things that we talk about in that in that, uh, in that uh, episode. Um, Miller was the all-time single-season leader in penalty minutes for the Bruins when he racked up 304 in 87-88 and had a massive impression on Boston fans. His battles with Nyland. Uh, Miller fought John Cordick and Nyland six times apiece during those games. Yeah. Um, I will say, uh, well, yeah, he fought 87 times in four seasons with Boston. Yeah, the, I will say, as I've gotten older, I, here's, I, there's a lot of guys, but Jay in particular um, is definitely someone I have a newfound respect for. Um, I was never a fan, I don't, and I don't know why. If you'd asked me back, I don't, I probably couldn't give you an explanation of why I wasn't a Jay Miller fan. I have no idea. Uh, I am now, um, as I've gotten older, and I'm going to say wiser, but maybe just older. Um, yeah, he was. Uh, he didn't lose many, man. You go back and watch Miller, and he was pretty dominant. And uh, you know, he may maybe not be the biggest power punching guy, um, so maybe that's you know he he did. But yeah, always in it. Uh, gave Brown fits. Did well against Probert. Um, great against Cordick uh, and Nyland and those guys. Yeah, Miller was. I'd, I'd like to maybe. I'll, I'll probably have to pick up a, a player DVD of Miller and just uh, really. Um, go through his whole career because he was something, man. Newfound respect for Jay Miller for sure. Number two, Cam Neely. 
Okay. Um, he was a Hall of Fame hockey player first and a fighter second. Yeah, but he was scary when he started losing his temper after dropping the gloves. Um, what did they say? He's probably dropped the gloves a total of 45 times over his career in Boston. Yeah, and along with 590 points in 500 games. Yeah, so Neely didn't really fight that much. He's probably, like I would say, if not that I'm trying to say enforcers aren't players, but in terms of like, oh, who's your favorite player, air quotes, it would be Neely or Tockett. Well, those three, Neely, Tockett, and Clark are the, are my three favorite all-time players. And um, Tockett and Clark fought a lot more than Neely did. Um, but yeah, I'm a big, big body checker. Um, yeah, I mean, the epitome of a power forward, right? And, uh, and I, but I will say, uh, Jacques Mayotte, uh, who, legendary minor league enforcer who fought everybody and would have, uh, said when he, in his, he, I, Jacques played, was it five or six games in the NHL and he fought a, he fought a bunch of times and he fought Cam Neely and he said in all of his fights, Cam, that was the hardest he was ever punched was by Cam Neely. And, uh, so that's, like I said, when Jacques Mayotte says that, it's covering a lot of ground and a lot, a lot of guys, but yeah, Neely was a lefty, mean, and, uh, and, a, and a, like they said, a guy like that, um, not that guys aren't mad, but it, I mean, Neely would fight mad. Like he wouldn't just line up and yeah, we're out here, let's go. Um, and then get mad while the fight was going on. Like a lot of the tough guys, uh, he would fight only when he was pissed. So now you're fighting a pissed off and he's a big dude and. Yeah, lefty and and pissy, like poof. Yeah, Neely could go, and he was he'd throw wide open, and he was a bleeder. He'd bust, he'd get busted up, and keep swinging. And yeah, I mean, I I love me some Cam Neely, obviously, but you know, in terms of we're going to talk about just straight fighters with the Bruins, no, I wouldn't have Cam Neely number two. I'm I'd have him in the top ten probably, but no, I wouldn't have him in front of Stan Jonathan or Jay Miller or any of those guys. Um, but. If he's in the top ten, am I bitching about it? No. But I wouldn't have him at number two. Not if we're just going to go straight fighters? No. But yeah, Cam Neely was... I love Cam Neely. He's awesome. Number one? Yeah, it, kind of, it had to be, right? Terry O'Reilly. Of course. The all-time Bruins leader in penalty minutes who fought 23 times in 79-80. Tasmanian Devil epitomizes toughness and bring a hard to play against while also being a damn good hockey player. From 74 to 81, O'Reilly averaged over 10 fights per season, made a career of standing up for his teammates, and was a fearsome power forward. The fact he did all the extracurricular stuff while finishing with over 200 goals and 600 points for the Bruins over the course of a 14-year career with the Bruins just makes it all that much more impressive. O'Reilly and Schultz fought five times in the NHL, making them longtime adversaries. So here's one of the best... All- oh, okay, they have the video link to it. O'Reilly is the only Bruin with over... 2,000 career penalty minutes, unlikely only one ever in black and gold history. Yelling will be at this point. But, um, yeah. What I mean, come on. Terry O'Reilly. Taz, what more is there to say about Terry O'Reilly? Again, for any of the... I'm, although I'm pretty sure... Young, I always say younger listeners. What what gens... I, I don't know many Gen Zetters that are listening to this show. This show would give them nightmares. Um, but if you're a young fan, I highly encourage you to go onto YouTube and type in Terry O'Reilly... And you will be entertained. Because he was, they called him the Tasmanian Devil, and for good reason. He would just go nuts and throw these wild punches and go down and get, and balance was all over the place. But go down, get up, and eat, eat, two and throw one, and he didn't give a shit, and he was tremendous. Believe me, that is one guy, right? I will tell you now, if you haven't paid any attention, if you're a younger fan and you go watch Terry O'Reilly, you will love Terry O'Reilly. 
if you go and watch those fight clips. He was awesome. So I could definitely see him being number one. But yeah, there we go. A top ten list. Joe Haggerty for the uh, top ten Bruins fighters. That wasn't too bad. I mean, I always like... I will say, and I will... And I know the list or you guys really like the list because I can see the downloads and stuff. So the lists are always popular. But uh, yeah, I enjoy doing those lists. And I really like doing it where I like it. You're seeing my genuine reaction because a lot of t- I'll have people send me lists now, like links. They're going oh, to do this on the show. And I won't click on them and do them before the before the show starts because I I want you guys to hear my reaction too. So I'm I'm hearing it for the first time like you guys are, um, or I'm seeing it for the first time, you know, as you guys are hearing it. So um, and again with that one, I, I saw the buyers and the stock one because I I just wanted to make sure like oh toughest all time Bruins and then the first guy's like you know whatever Shane Knighty or something. I'm thinking Shane, but you know what I'm saying, how some of these lists go. But, um, yeah, that was fun. So, um, yeah, guys, that, uh, there we go. That covers it for episode 160, the final episode in the old condo. Um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, uh, Having my new setup and having space and having all my stuff out. Like, I've, I know I keep saying this on and on. I'm just excited, guys. Give me a break here. I'm just, I'm excited to be a homeowner. And, well, I mean, I own the condo too, but, you know, a homeowner and having space and being able to unpack all my stuff and everything. I'm really, we're, the wife and I are really looking forward to it. And I know Lisa's, ex- like I said, she's really excited too. And, um, we got a lot of packing ahead of, uh, we actually don't have too much packing left to do, but, uh, you know, uh, we have jo- we have jobs left to do. We still got, I got a lot of carrying in my future here this week, but uh, and running around doing paperwork. But uh, it'll be fun. So, um, like I said, I won't be around for this coming up week for sure. Um, I'm not sure about the the time restraints and the. I mean, we'll have internet at the new house, but uh, you know, like I said, we're unpacking and getting everything set up. And of course, we got work. I have I have a job to go to as well. So I don't know how much time I will have to give to the podcast, but, um, so I don't know how many episodes I'm going to miss, but just know I'm not retiring or quitting, um, just temporarily, uh, uh, temporarily closed, and I will come back to you guys here in, well, I guess it'll be early December, um, but, uh, yeah, guys, and, and I, again, I want to thank everybody who sent me messages and congratulating the house and selling the condo and everything. And I know regular listeners are just rolling. They're so bored of hearing me talk about the place and ranting and raving about trying to sell the condo. Now we sold the condo, blah, blah, blah. I get it. I, I know, I know. I'm just, like I said, give me a break. I'm I'm just excited about the whole thing. So, uh, yeah. Um, but I want to thank everybody again for, for, the well, for the well wishes. And uh, and I know some of you had brought up housewarming gifts. Blah, believe me, you don't need to send me anything. It's fine. I appreciate the sentiment, though. And uh, But, yeah, guys, I, um, again, uh, for the next week or so, <clears throat> I know I have some new listeners and stuff. Um, again, thank you for tuning in and, and just check, like, and you saw it on the podcast and whatever, or the, saw it on the message boards and you're just... You know, you've come in in the last 10 or 10 episodes or so, or maybe I had a guest on and you really liked it. And then after that, you stayed on. And, um, uh, I encourage you over the next little while, um, seeing as I won't have anything new coming out. All right, gang, we, you heard it. We got phones ringing and everything's going on here. So time to roll. But, uh, yes, in the meantime, please, if you're a new listener, check out my back catalog. Uh, John Morasti, Steve McIntyre, Joey Tenerenko, very great interview. 
Um, all the guys have been really great. Uh, I encourage you to check Brad Wingfeld. Go back, check that out if you want to hear about more Danbury stuff before the Danbury thing became, uh, became, uh, uh, a global thing all of a sudden. It's a trending now, but we, I talked to Brad a year, a year and a half ago and we talked about all that. So definitely check that out. Um, yeah. Give the back catalog a listen. And in the meantime, I'll be moving and getting everything ready and I will come back to you guys. Uh, like I said, uh, honestly, I've talked to a bunch of players, ex-NHL guys, and, uh, some really cool guests that I think coming up that, uh, like I said, once the, once, uh, the silly Christmas is over, 2022, heading into January 2022, I really want to get this rolling. And I've got some, like I said, some big plans for the YouTube channel, uh, Fourth Line Voice in YouTube, 2600 Fights. Definitely check it out in the meantime. Um, I'll be uploading lots of stuff. I'll have all my DVDs out. I can get going on that again. Um, as, as just a bunch of stuff that I kind of want to do. So, um, and I will have time and uh, space to do so. So, uh, just, uh, bear with me here, folks. But, uh, so the next time I talk to you, I'll be in a different office and, uh, and, uh, and I'll be, you won't have to listen to this. Any, you won't have to listen to me go on and on about it any, well, even when we get there. And then I'll tell you about all the stuff that I'm in there now. But yeah, I'll still be rambling about it. But uh, anyway, I'll shut up now. I want to thank you all very much for tuning in. And uh, like I said, give me a week or two and I'll be back. Uh, in the meantime, check out the back catalog. Check out, check out Joe and Alex show. And uh, yeah, guys, here's to moving. We'll see you guys on the other side. All right, everybody. Talk to you in a week or two. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was 